This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake Them Ropes, episode 290. DX is back. Dean's Doubts are back. Shake Them Ropes is back. Chris, are you ready for yet another WWE show? Because next week, NXT UK starts rolling. Oh boy. What day is NXT UK rolling? I believe it's on the 14th. So, what day of the week is that? Uh, <laughs> so, today's the 11th. So, that would be 12, 13. Uh, Sunday, yeah, Sunday. I yeah, guess. I was going to say that's nearly this week. I mean, depend, depending on how you roll your weeks over. Are, are, let me ask you this, Hawkins. Are you someone who believes the week starts on Sunday? or? Hold on, hold on. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. It's Wednesday, October 17th. It's, so Wednesday. it's Wednesday. So, But still, I have a banter question now. We, we are always struggling. Okay, here we so go. For you, does the week start on Sunday or does it start on Monday? Always Sunday. Always Sunday. Why Sunday? It, how do you, how do you fancy that? Um, it's just the way I've always dealt with it. I've always had Sundays off, or because I've asked for them that way. So it's always been kind of the day to reset for me. What about you? Okay, so mentally, I've always viewed Monday as the start of the week, and so when okay. I started working at my last gig, I really liked starting to work on Sundays. Because it created this weird role for me in my head where, like, I kind of roll into the start of the work week, and then I used to work four days. So it would be Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I'd be done on Wednesday, and my work week would be over kind of before I realized it, which is the thing I really liked. And and, and that grind, something about starting to work on Sundays, I, I'm very comfortable with that. For whatever reason, time moves more fluidly. Whereas when I used to start my work week on Monday, that Sunday going into Monday was so deflating for me. Yeah, but I mean, when you, like, here's what I can't stand. And this drove me nuts once because I was making reservations. I forgot what it was for. But if you're going to have a calendar printed, I want it S through S. I want Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I don't want... Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Really? All right. No, I, see, I hate oh. I hate that. See, I would want my calendar the other way because those Saturday and Sunday are going to be my off days. So if I'm ever going to do a vacation, that's going to be on the back half. So now visually, Monday through Friday is the work portion of the week, and we have the weekend portion of the week stacked on one end of the calendar. When you do Sunday and Sunday, you've got it buttressed. I don't want buttressing in my life, Hawkins. Well, no, but what I'm saying is if I'm making if I'm making like reservations and I'm clicking the last day on the week, I want it to be Saturday. I, I, I want to be I want to know I want my dates and stuff lined up. And I, I, did, I went to a site once and it had the Monday through Sunday calendar. And I thought I was like leaving on a Saturday. And it's like, no, you're leaving on a Sunday, which just absolutely screwed up everything about the rest of my my trip. And it was just like, ah, so I had to cancel that, waste money and do. See, you you people are ruining America and the calendar for us. I can't have this. I need No, we're, we're finally getting the calendar to make some goddamn sense for once, Hawkins. No, 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 you're, it's, it's, 
It's communists that want the calendar that way. No, it's balance. <laughs> it's, you're putting work on one side and you're putting leisure on the other. That's zen. That is orderly. You should appreciate that. That should be something that appeals to the Hawkins sensibility. Sunday is the day of football. It is the greatest day on the earth. We should start the week on the greatest day. That would be Sunday. Thank you. Uh, the nice part about basketball is it runs all week. <laughs> Oh. All right, so do you want me to break down fantasy auctions for you this year, or should we get into wrestling, Hawkins? I can do either I, one. I, I can do either one. We can talk about DeAndre Ayton. You want to talk about DeAndre Ayton? I got DeAndre Ayton content all day, or we can talk about wrestling. Or we can talk about wrestling. We can talk I, about I, Devin I, Booker's fourth year right now, Hawkins, <laughs> or we can talk about wrestling. We can talk oh, about Kawhi going Leonard to- going to Toronto, Hawkins. <laughs> Oh, we could talk about wrestling. Which one's going to be? <laughs> no Jimmy Butler talk? Come we could talk about how Jimmy Butler is team cancer, or we could talk about wrestling. Well, there's plenty of team cancers in wrestling. but uh, That is also true. Now the, uh, the Super Show Dash Down happened in Australia. Um mediocre show I thought I thought but I think I think we pretty much nailed that on on the uh on the preview. I think there were a couple matches we were really looking forward to. Um any outstanding thoughts from you before I get into it? No, I think the match that delivered that we thought had the potential to really deliver was Buddy Murphy versus Cedric Alexander, which is really good because the work expectations on 205 Live, that work standard's so high, it's keeping all of those knives in the drawer very sharp, and they look good when they get out there. A lot of these guys have had multiple matches against each other now, so that shows, particularly with Buddy and Cedric Alexander. And I just thought the main event was far, far, far too long. I I agree. On uh, I was shocked that everybody from Australia won which goes against all WWE booking history. But this is a different era and a different genre of show. And I, I think one thing that you can take away from this show is last episode I was kind of talking about how we're creating a new world sort of for WWE, these super shows, these global super shows. They clearly have their own rules. And I think you're starting to see some of those come into effect. Yeah, and especially when you're having, you know, the heels playing baby faces in their hometown. Like, Buddy, Buddy Murphy came out and, and played baby face. Yes, he did. Which was nice to see, you know. And, and, and I thought the pop after he won was great. I mean, look, I, I, I get why you do booking like that. You want to get the heat for the next time you come back. But I think it's also cool that people are rewarded in front of the town that supported them. I think that's... Even if you're a bad guy occasionally, it's nice to get that hometown win because you probably have your friends in the audience watching, the ones you grew up with. I I have no problem with, like, heel Buddy Murphy winning in Australia. I really don't. And I think it was time to get the the title off of Cedric. That was the more important part of it, I I believe. Just Cedric I mean, I liked liked him as a champ. I thought thought the story they were going to go with was him versus Mustafa Ali, but I I think finally turn him i think after watching 205 live i liked the cool down because you had mentioned it's time to cool him down a bit yes um and i like that they did it with nice yeah is a i think nice having that great match on nxt and then being associated with buddy's act i think that's a guy to kind of heat up a little bit and and 
I think the personality will come. He's always shown kind of flashes of personality when he was with Drew Gulak, when he, you know, when he was, you know, in the terrible Enzo sketches, he, he always had that kind of flicker. I think it's, I think it's nice to elevate a guy like that. So I'm, 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 I'm happy about that. Uh, t- if, if you want to add anything. Yeah, absolutely. On, on so it. I think there are some real interesting potential scenarios with Tony Nese turning face, which is where I think this is going, because now that he has defeated Cedric Alexander, Tony Nese is going to have a credible claim to the title. And what we're seeing with Buddy Murphy is Buddy Murphy's now saying, oh, I'm going to defend my title when I want to defend my title. I'm going to do what I want when I want. And what I think's going to happen is Drake Maverick is going to force the action here. And we're going to have Buddy Murphy butting heads with Drake Maverick. And one of Drake's first plays is going to be to put Tony Nese in title contention against Buddy Murphy. But the idea of Tony Nese also going back and getting comeuppance against Drew Gulak, that's interesting. Or, if they want, even the idea of eventually turning Buddy Murphy face and having him have matches against Drew Gulak, those are matches I could be pretty into. I think that could be a pretty hot I'm, feud. I'm here for I'm here for a barn burner with Nice and, and Buddy Murphy. Yeah. I, I think that's going to be something. Uh, you know, I, I don't think they're going to put him with Gulak just yet because I think they're going to let the Kendrick slash Lucha House Party thing play out. Um, Boy, those guys know, are so lukewarm. The Lucha House yeah, Party guys. And, and, it's beca- and, and it's because they've been going, I mean, you know, I mean, the gimmick is bad. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, they've been going against the same guys week after week, although Leo Rush freshened things up a bit. We'll get a little bit more into him later. But I want to go, I want to circle back a bit to your comment about the Triple H match being long. Triple H matches for me right now, are the equivalent of widespread panic or string cheese incident concerts. I liked, if you recall the jam band uh, Renaissance circa, I think, was it 2005? Yeah, I was in college. I believe me. I had a lot of people try to get me to get into that music and it may surprise you Hawkins I know you have certain expectations of me I don't care for jam bandy type of music like fish or string cheese incident or widespread panic or anything like that it just doesn't do anything for me well I was well here's what it was I I liked one a couple of the forefathers to the jam bands I liked the Almond Brothers oh sure I liked traffic I liked traffic a lot. Can is very so everybody good. Was like, have you ever heard Can? Uh, I don't think I have. The Soft Machine is very good. A lot of the actual jam bands from the late 60s and early 70s are very good. The Sid Barrett-led Pink Floyd is very good. There are a bunch of acts from that era. I just The Renaissance didn't do anything for me. Here, here, here's, here's my point. I liked the influencers of those groups. But when that group, when those groups would come out and every song would be 35 minutes and they'd play like five songs in a set, it's like, all right, look, we get that you like these types of acts, but you're not those acts. Okay, you can have a song that wraps up occasionally. Not every song the dead did rambled on for 40 minutes, okay? That's Triple H right now. They also the earned guy. that, the, the dead did. Yes, Triple H is out there. Soaking up every ounce of emotion to, to in a plotting match. And this DX reunion on Monday, 
I'm happy they got rid of Shawn Michaels' wacky number two character because I was done with the over-the-top Al Pacinoing of of Shawn Michaels. I I I can't. I liked him a little bit more grounded in this state, but at the same time, I'm like, it's DX. Their whole gimmick. I mean, it's it was like when the NWO thought they were gangsters, and and it's like these middle-aged guys trying to play i mean it's a little bit like conan now too you know he's he's 50 some odd years old and he still thinks he's a 20 year old street hoodlum i i can't get with dx being anti-authoritarian anymore when triple h is the authority you know yes it's, it's so yes <laughs> it, 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 it's 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 like you know what a grown-up triple h and a grown-up Shawn Michaels going into that one last gunfight, I think would be a great type of mature type of angle that wouldn't insult our intelligence, but you can just see them in the back spinning their wheels. Like, well, you know, DX was a popular act back then. And everything about this crown jewel show is nostalgia from 2003, 2004 era WWE. I mean, the, 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 the World Cup tournament being set up right now, seeing who won. I mean, they put in Jeff Hardy over Samoa Joe. They're going to put in, you know, guys from the, they put in Kurt Angle, uh, which I, I thought it was a clever angle. I, I no, thought that was Kurt actually angle... fun. I enjoyed that whole skit. That was a fun way to get Kurt Angle into the match. But as I look at the Crown Jewel card, I'm just like, Man, we are looking backwards in a serious, serious way. And I think that this is confusing to the child who is eight or nine. Yeah, it is. It, it's 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 for an audience that's far older. I mean, it's weird. It, it is the demographic that they say is the average WWE fan. They say the average WWE fan is in their 40s watching this and recognizes this. They're not putting on... They're not putting on a work rate show for these guys. They're putting on a personality show. And as long as we keep that in mind, we can keep our expectations kind of tamp- tampered a bit because I I think, you know, they, they set up this AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan match. And that's gonna be that's gonna be the wrestling match. But at the but at the same time, if you recall, when they when we thought it was gonna be a wrestling match between AJ Styles and, and Shinsuke Nakamura it turned into a ball punch fest. So, you know, Miz could always come out here and ruin it for both the guys, and it just becomes more of the angle. Oh, no, so he to totally is, Jeff, because he's going to be upset about getting made fun of by AJ and Daniel Bryan. He's going to want to have his revenge in some sort of over-the-top performative way. That's totally how that match is going to go. What do you think of the two-minute match? Whatever. <laughs> I, you know, it, it's it's funny that they just turned uh, they turned the the final one on one match into kind of a uh, chess moving uh, or peace moving type of thing. It's like a, a narrative device, if you will. It just kind of goes. That's on sort of what I to, told to you, though, thing. that the the outcomes of those matches were linked up. Like that, it was a narrative device. So it it, it sort of had to play out kind of like that unless the Miz wanted to have 
a serious full-on wrestling match, and there's no outside indicators that would suggest that The Miz seems particularly motivated at the moment. So I'm sure he was fine with doing a two-minute match. You know what I mean? You got no resistance from The Miz. Uh, a couple of quick things to just wrap up Super Showdown. Uh, I or Super Show Dash Down. My apologies. Thank you. Uh, not not shocked by the Iconics winning. I think I call that. Uh, Becky Lynch wins by cheating. I had this. It's not going to be a double turn, Chris. They're all in on the on the heel thing. They're going to keep forcing it. Yes, they are. Yeah, I know. It it's it's. Uh, and we'll go into the SmackDown match a little bit in a little bit. But uh, other than that, I had no. There was nothing really of note. Uh, to, to take away from this other than the end angle, which, you know, we expected we were going to get. We're going right, to get a tag uh, match. Triple H and HBK versus the Brothers of Destruction. You know, Attitude Era type of tag match for Saudi Arabia. Uh, I am going to go out on a limb. I am going to say, because we have to, we have to get into this because it's the elephant in the room. If it turns out that this journalist from the Washington Post was murdered in the Saudi consulate, they're going to cancel this show or the American government is going to put such a restriction on American companies dealing with Saudi Arabia for at least a short time that the show will be canceled. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know how complete the investigation is going to be because right now it looks like what the U.S. government has said is, hey, the Saudi government, you do the investigation into this. So it seems to me unlikely that the Saudi government's going to conduct an investigation and conclude that they killed the Saudi journalist or the permanent resident of America who worked for the Washington Post, who is once a part of the Saudi court. I mean, because the whole reason he left Saudi Arabia in the first place and moved to America was because he fell out of favor in the court when Mohammed bin Sultan took over so i guess long story short because it's really easy to get lost in the weeds here i suspect that the investigation won't be done by the time super show or not super show dash down but crown jewel comes up so i think that this show happens my grander suspicion is that this is the last time wwe wants to dip their toes in this water Something I liked versus something I hated on on Raw this week. Uh, I liked the turn of Bobby Lashley. Oh, I liked that. Yeah, I did like that. I liked everything about this. I liked the fact that Leo was such an annoying cheerleader that even I'm thinking, I was trying to wonder if it was X-Pac heat or if it was real. No, that was brilliant. That was was a brilliant usage of, yes, yeah, exactly. I I liked that they used Kevin Owens for this. it's, It's a weird... It doesn't always work in comic books, but they do this a lot. When you're going to introduce a new bad guy and you're going to give him some heft as a, as a baddie, you have him take out a B-level villain that has a certain amount of charm with the fan base. They did this in Underworld Unleashed in DC when they killed off the rogues to start off with. They did this in Iron Man when they, when they wanted to get over the, uh, this new Iron Man armor as being deadly or something, they killed off a character by the name of Blacklash. I, I, I like this trope in wrestling. I think Kevin Owens going into surgery, him being kind of a heel that crowds like, I think that was appropriate because you can always bring him back as a babyface. I don't think they will, but the smart plan would be to bring him back as a babyface, especially if he could come back at the same time as Sami Zayn. I think that'd be a great, you know, dual return type of deal. 
but Bobby Lashley as a killer with Leo Rush as his annoying mouthpiece. I think it, I think it's great. I, I think it's no. This is great. We're moving into the thing that we loved about Bobby's run in TNA, and I was doing those yeah. stipulation episodes back then with MVP and Kenny King and Bobby Lashley. That faction, that energy. Bobby Lashley works really, really good in that unit, and Leo Rush has the ability to serve kind of a Kenny King and kind of an MVP function. It is better. If you have the MVP role and the Kenny King role separated. So a third person might not be the worst thing in the world here. I just think, I think they need to let them, I think they need to let them naturally interact instead of script interact because Bobby Lashley has some great mannerisms when he's reacting to things people say. And I think that will be the key key to this whole thing. If they over script, Leo and, and Bobby's kind of interactions. I think that's going to be where you're not really getting the charm of his villainy, so to speak. I, I think he's a charming villain. You know, he's this big jacked up dude who knows he's great. So let him play off of Leo's cockiness a little. The thing that drove me nuts. I'm sorry, did I interrupt? Go ahead. Yeah, a thing I was thinking of that Lashley could do, because he's not a gifted talker, but it would also be good if he kind of didn't talk so much he could just whisper into leo rush's ear and have leo do all of the talking for him like i don't want to hear bobby lashley say a word for the next six months or for however long this pairing goes on <laughs> kind of like a the lawyer client thing yeah where you cover the mic and you talk in his ear every time oh. exclusively and leo what what you know what would be the 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 cherry on top of that would be if, if leo would always just say Bobby says that he doesn't want to do something like that. My client Bobby says, says, yeah, Bobby he, says, Mr. Lashley says, oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, dude, oh, that'd be great. Uh, the thing that drove me nuts, this Dean Ambrose thing. You can't do the resolution, have them join right, over a right. big we're match. Right, right, we're yo-yoing too much, and we're getting diminishing returns. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm having they, a big problem went, with this now. They went right back to square one, and I'm just like, well then what was the point of the rest of this and it, they do they did this they did this with the uh Seth Rollins turn where it's like well they go up they they beat this unbeatable foe in uh, evolution or yeah it was, right. it was Triple H Randy Orton and Batista and then all of a sudden for no reason he's teaming with Triple H and you're just like what are you no that doesn't make any sense you, you need this to make sense that was for that was for Roman Reigns push one. So the reason that happened is because yeah. we were trying to get Roman Reigns over the first time, but it didn't make any sense. You're totally right. But having Dean walk out like that after taking the loss yeah, again, it's like right? no, no, have that have that be the seat of doubt. And they just won maybe. the night before, so all they are is fifty yeah. fifty. They what should be the motivator at this point is let's go and get the rubber match. Exactly. I I just it it was one of those things where I'm just like this is <laughs> this is the Joe Bob Briggs of uh, story of sequels. You know, you just do the same movie over again. They're gonna do this movie over again, and they're gonna do this probably for Crown Jewel. Although, or in some way, maybe they're just doing a tag match because Roman and uh, Braun are in the three-way. I'm just like, oh, no, don't. Uh, it, it, it frustrated me to no end because I'm like, no, have them be a team in a unit a while because they just reunited the previous week. And then start showing the crumbling trust. 
then, you know, you, they have to be strong before you can do this again. I, I, you, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm rambling. No, I, here, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, out. what should be happening at some point is Dean kind of makes a joke to Roman and Seth of, hey, man, you know, it'd be really good to finally have a title shot. Yeah, uh, he yeah. Fi- he finally brings it up. It's still on his body. It's an obvious thing, especially since neither Roman nor Seth has ever brought up finally getting those tag belts with Dean to make sure Dean has a belt on him. Like there are reasons why Dean should be not happy with this reunion of the Shield. They haven't really fully had his back here. Yeah, it should happen. Three we're not mo- going there. But that line should happen like three months from now. It shouldn't. It well, shouldn't happen yes. like next week. Or something like that. Uh, And yet it almost feels like it has to, right? It it feels in the same ledger with Braun and the not-dogs of war that we're getting very close to them breaking up as well. Yeah. Uh, During the match it was like that, and then now now they've kind of cooled that off to, to put focus on Dean. I suppose next week they'll put focus back on Seth and, uh, Seth and, and Drew breaking up, and he'll go back and forth. I think they think they're telling a parallel narrative yes. here. Yes, they are. They, that's what they think. Not, that's what they think, but it's just not landing right. No, because none, none of these beats are coming off as authentic. Right. <laughs> it, it, the, the villains are coming off as, you know, movie villains that'll just turn at the drop of a hat because, you know, they don't have any real unified interest and they haven't really scripted them that deep. That's that's what that's coming off. And the good guys are coming off as, well, we're trying to we're trying to string this along, but we just put them together. So now we need to tear them apart again. So let's just tear them apart real quick. And it's kind of like they haven't really beaded it out on an outline or anything yet. They're just kind of it, it feels like they're playing it by the seat of their pants, but they have a they have the goal of doing this parallel type of thing they just refuse to script out the story long term right and if you don't script out the story long term you can't do the interesting things that a parallel narrative allows for so one group that did end up breaking up the bellas have turned on ronda rousey oh we saw this coming this is not a terrible surprise although this beatdown left something to be desired i felt brie bella can't throw a punch (laughs) the bellas are uh (laughs) <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> but but again i mean if you're gonna turn on ronda why not get the riot squad involved in this and then have ronda just go through all five of them eventually you know to to, to get to nikki you know why 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 have it them was very the- weird during that ruby riot match where they're like you know someday ruby riot's gonna be champion i'm like man that's a this is a weird time to bring that up because she feels eight thousand miles away from that at this point well it's just it's it's a weird thing to have this competitive match you get rid of the heels off of the stage and then you jump then you turn on the person it's it's just that that makes that that that, that goes to lack of deviousness you know, it's like right. if you're planning on turning, you know, hey, get the other. And, and where's Natty? Where, where is Natty in this? I, I mean, I guess they want to wait another couple of weeks before they turn Natty. But oh, they're not turning. Why Natty not? Now. Two, oh, 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 because they're, they're going to have a tag team. Well, no, first there's going to be a tag team match. And then I think eventually Natty does turn on her. Yeah. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of block building about evolution on this show. Uh 
I'll get to it. I, I think uh, I think attention must be paid now. I I am thoroughly on board with trying to get history rewritten, where we do not say Trish and Lita, Trish and Lita, Trish and Lita. I think we have to now say Mickey, Trish and Lita, because Mickey James, the past two years, has been the MVP of this women's division. She's the glue person. She's the one. When she came by, she had that great match with Asuka in NXT. Gets brought up doing the uh, masked stalker of Becky Lynch. You know, working for Alexa. And then eventually turns on Alexa. They don't get biscuit butt over. But she's having great matches with everybody on the division. And in this segment, she saved the segment by being able to take the bumps from Trish and Lita. I, I just... Whenever they mention trailblazers in this division, it's always Trish and Lita. And Mickey has been doing it for so long. I think she and Gail Kim overall are the least appreciated of women's wrestlers from that era. But Mickey James was just spectacular in this in this uh, thing too, and it really brought some personality. When Trish was, Trish has never been a great promo. She's always been nervous. If you watch her first few things from when she debuted, she was scared to death to get on the microphone. She eventually found some confidence, and then she quit wrestling after a while. You know, and you kind of you lose that performer's ability from time to time if you are not in the arts. And she obviously was a little overwhelmed by this. The scripting wasn't very good for it at all. Um, but Mickey James, I think, saved what was a dying segment and made it something spectacular, I thought. And Mickey's recurring theme through all of these big returns of these quote-unquote trailblazers, she should be like, I don't get my credit, that yes. I deserve greater credit. It's and the easiest story the reason the was so easy. The reason I can't stand you, Lita, and especially you, Trish, is you made fun of me when you were here, and then you stopped being here, and I kept working, and I've kept working all of these years, and I have never gotten my due, and never will. You get your little time in the Hall of Fame. You get all of these tributes. You get the DVDs. Where's my stuff? It's very, very simple. Yeah, and the other thing that's become patently obvious to me is they, the company, overwhelms you with so much nostalgia that it doesn't mean anything when you actually have a moment. The, this segment, you know, they, they when they promoted it, it got a nice They have such reaction. a weird relationship with the concept of history more broadly, right? I mean, we could do an entire episode about, like, WWE's relationship about history yes. and just how they connect with it, when they choose to connect with it, when they choose not to. But, I mean, just as a marketing thing, how are we supposed to... I mean, that that Pomperlita was like, yo, great, she's back again. It wasn't anything special. It, it, it You know, back in January, these things were great because they were building up that Women's Royal Rumble... But we've also had Lita on television since. We've had her doing, I think she did commentary for a match or something. I forget what it was. But you're also not using the network as a vehicle to get people excited for Lita. So you start doing things low-key on your network that you're always promoting where you have the best of Lita week. Four, five, six weeks before you start doing this Lita return thing. So you get the audience primed a little bit, a little bit excited to see this wrestler return. You have a Trish Stratus week 
one week and have nothing but the best of Trish and you promote that. They don't use the network, the linear stream, effectively as a way of getting the audience mentally conditioned for the part of WWE history they want the audience to be tuned into. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going more broad, general thing. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly they should use it as a as a cooperative thing it's rather a than a cool tool well that they don't use well they they use it lazily they 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 put up a collection and they go oh go watch the collection up there as opposed to like scheduling it on the on their live stream so to speak you know bringing they get people in doing yes. a conversation and a lot of that stuff would be cheap you're already there filming for raw you're already there filming for smackdown just pull people aside and have them shoot a quick little panel discussion in the town you're in yeah it's just it's so weird because it's it, it's like you know you know the undertaker's coming back from mania and maybe one other show during undertaker the year. week nothing but the best of undertaker feuds from the 1990s <laughs> yeah kane comes back every th- i mean all the none of these returns are big anymore and it's so weird because it's like you'd think they would be but it's just it's it's marketing and it's thrown out there and then it's kind of forgotten about it. It's so well. The bloom is off the rose on Undertaker too, right? I mean, he's had one too many retirement matches. He's turned into the kiss of professional wrestling acts. <laughs> oh, we're hitting all the music musical genres today. I, I'm loving this. No, you're exactly right. Um, or or who else? What what would be another? The the ones that always you know it's like it's like the Rolling Stones are on or the Eagles, you know. Yeah, oh, but how many up. times did they say yeah? So the Eagles have done it, but I don't feel like anyone has done as many retirement tours explicitly as Kiss. Sabbath has had a few, but at least a couple of times I felt like they really meant it. Whereas Kiss. It was always cynical. It was always like, we'll make more money if we tell you that it's the last time we're going on tour. And we're old enough now where you'll credibly believe that us at 49, us at 53, us at 62, this is really it. Yeah. Um, moving More women. There was, this is a women-heavy show or a women-heavy week, actually. Uh, Ember Moon and Nia Jax. I just wanted to comment on how just they... When Ember Moon debuted and that finisher got over week one. She was special once, remember? God. And now they're doing this nonsense. Look, Nia's turning or Ember's turning. What a weird. I feel like Ember is going to turn, but boy, that finish was so weird. It was. I mean, they may turn Nia again, too, and like that is the more natural booking move. I was never in the column of Nia Jax's baby face could work, and I, I've been on the record of that pretty much since they were teasing that earlier this year. But I, I think that's where we're going here with Ember Moon. But don't be surprised if they turn Ember. I I I think they turn Ember because I know to get because, her into position they're, they're, to feud they're, they're with tout, Ronda at some point. Well, they're touting all these image awards for Nia Jax, and you don't. Although it would be the most WWE thing ever to hey, she's getting all these image awards. Let's make her the bad guy. <laughs> I, I mean, I, they made Father of the Year Titus O'Neil into Levar Ball. Yeah, no, that's that's very very true. That's 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 very true. Uh, we had the. Becky Charlotte rematch on SmackDown. 
nice long match, but again, the ending, you're just kind of like, well, why'd we sit through that to watch that? That seems odd. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of these two working. I think the last woman standing stipulation at, uh, at evolution, I think it's a good idea to put some, uh, put a little gimmick in, in, into a couple of these matches. Um, and they've done some nice subtle foreshadowing of that. Like for example, when Becky attacked Charlotte during that photo shoot, she's standing on top of Charlotte holding the belt up the last woman standing like, like they, they've been kind of sowing the seeds for this, but they also haven't been beating you over the head with it. So I like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, it, it's interesting because it's going to have to be a long drawn out match where, they're expecting the fans to get behind Charlotte doing an extended beatdown to try and keep Becky not gonna down, happen. and that's not, not going to happen. happen. Yeah, nope. that's that's the only thing I I see as a bit of a a disconnect on, on this thing. But uh, yeah, that I, match is that at Crown Jewel or is that at the next American? Oh no, the, no, no women are going to Crown Jewel. Oh yeah, of course. Right, right, right. Ha 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 ha. Need I forget? Of course not. Let's not forget. And, and why is that, Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, uh, yeah, no, definitely not an evolution of all shows. No, no, no. I, I think, I think she's gonna get cheered. Becky is going to get cheered roundly. Yeah, I. Uh... I don't have much else for the other two big shows. Oh, well, I mean, we did the World Cup qualifiers already. I kind of glossed on that. I don't uh, – I think those are going to be, like, your throwback. This, this Sultan of Shawarma here, Jeff, uh, what do you think about this guy? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Was one of these guys Flash Flanagan? I think I read that. I, I, I'm like – that's the only thing I, I, I meant. I did enjoy, like, doing the Iron Claw because of all the gimmicky old-timey wrestling moves that I've always loved. The Claw. Like, yeah. my grandpa told me about, like, Baron Von Ratchke back in the day and stuff, and he was explaining to me the Claw, and I was always like, but couldn't anyone just get out of the Claw? He's like, no, no one could get out. My grandpa you sold me on this. He kayfabed me hard back in the day. Well, it was weird because I was listening to our friends at Talking Sheet, and they were talking about, man, somebody should do the Claw again. And then the next week on Raw, either Stanislaus, the... the uh... Wait, were they saying that seriously? No one should do the Claw again. Seriously, it's stupid. I, I, I don't know. I can't, Look, wrestling in Oh, no. Do you, are you trying to bring back the heart punch too, Jeff? What might the big guy do? I want Lars Sullivan to do the heart punch. I would not mind that. Lars Sullivan could probably get away with the heart punch, but it would be like a setup thing. Like, they, he hits the heart and kind of, like, disorients him, and then he does the freak accident. I could see that. My, okay. My favorite thing, though, I loved... <laughs> I love that you could tell Angle's facials, even though he's wearing the mask. Like when he's out there doing the siesta, which I yelled at my television, someone needs to call out the stupidity of of a guy doing a Spanish gimmick, but they've made him Mexican. Someone needs to call that out quickly. Uh, but you can tell like like when he's doing the sleeping thing that the lips are trembling as he's like... 
type of thing in there. I, I, I thought I thought he was having a blast with it. He looked like yes. he moved. He looked like he moved better than I'd seen him since him doing the front somersaults and everything. I, when he did that, I popped because I'm just like, this is so silly. And he, he certainly was moving the, better than when he was like with the shield that one time. Oh yeah, definitely. No, I I, I think part of what he was showing is it like yeah, he's mobile. Uh, the whole thing was quite silly. Uh, Eagle loves doing him some comedy. And it shows, and whatever he's given comedy stuff, especially if it's physical comedy, Angle tends to sink his teeth into it. Yeah. Oh, I want. I know. What I want to ask you about what? What were? Because you were hyped and jacked about this whole thing, and uh, week two of the Shelton Benjamin. Uh, what did you think of the uh, the follow up? Yeah, it, it's weird because he still has that win over Daniel Bryan, so you have to think that that factors into things on some level and the Miz is still linked up with Shelton Benjamin so maybe this whole thing gets blown off I never expect narrative discipline but they're keeping Benjamin in that orbit there's they still seem to have some sort of plan with the guy yeah I, I I don't I don't know about that I think he's just he's a guy he's 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 upper mid card he's gonna be the guy that comes out Loses to the stars, but beats guys lower than him. Right. That's I've always said that. Yeah, but but I think that they have some plans for him to handle some of the mid cards on these transitional shows and maybe feud with like whoever the champion is for a month or two. He's not going to win the title. I never said that. Okay. Well, I thought you did. No, I didn't. Like <laughs> no, you, you. I, I was listening back when I was editing it. At no point did I make that contention. Like a I U.S. title that, run, something. Come on, he, he, a, a, a transitional mid card champion thing potentially. Sure, it's not possible to see him as the U.S. champion or potentially as the guy feuding with AJ Styles for a month. That I, my position is unmoved. Well, a guy that they that I thought they were having plans for. Uh, we're going to to NXT now. And I think they've now finally decided, well, we got to do some more retooling back in Kona Reeves, or as I'm going to now call him from now on, Fokata. He <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. Because I... he's doing Okada's gimmick for the most part. It, it, but but uh, Keith Lee getting a strong win. I love me some Keith Lee, so uh, I was fine with this. And a very good triple threat match between Ricochet, Pete Dunne, and Adam Cole, I thought. I... I I think these look. It can be choreographed at times. That's fine. But I think, again, Pete Dunne is the best match by match, big match TV guy WWE has right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Ricochet and Dunne have been clashing a little too much for my taste here in recent months. But the matches are still good. I'm just starting to get a little bit of diminishing returns like all right we we can move on with this pairing like i'm ready to do something else with these two guys but i like that match a lot kona reeves yeah it's back to the drawing board with this guy i made the observation fairly early on that i didn't think it i don't mean this the wrong way i don't mean this to be insulting because it's going to come off as kind of mean i don't think he is attractive enough to pull off that gimmick i can see that yeah i I think he has I, I, you know what else? And, and for me, this is, I don't know really how to say it correctly. So you may want to cut this if I don't. Um, I think his mannerisms in terms of coming to the ring and stuff are a bit too effeminate for, for, to come off as, as 
He's not nailing the energy. No, I'm with you. He's not nailing an alpha male type of thing. I think he's supposed to be a bit bratty. But even then, it's like what he's trying to be. Okada's part of it. But then there's also supposed to be a sprinkle of Tyler Breeze in there. But the reason Tyler Breeze works as a gimmick is Tyler Breeze is a pretty person. He is attractive enough to pull off that gimmick. Yeah, he's, he's, he's trying to come off bratty, but he's coming off prissy. I think. I think yes. Yes. I, my, and there's my, also like the way of like I'm number. The way he does it is weird. It just it it's weird energy. It's not yeah. the energy that I'm expecting off of it. You no, know what I, it I'm is? with you. It's hard to put your finger on it, but no, something's uh, definitely it, it, missing. It, it's a, it, it's not fully committed to the gimmick. That's also true. I, I think I think it's it's he's he, you can tell he's acting as opposed to really. He's not this character. He yes, is yeah. not Kona Reeves. Yes. And I think I, and my, my suggestion was to to put another act that's kind of floundering with him. And I think I think Vanessa Bourne and him could actually do some good stuff together. I, I'm not I think Vanessa Bourne is kind of where she's going to be on this roster. Um, she's kind of the gatekeeper of the heels. Put put her with Kona Reeves and see if they can get some magic together as a valet act. I, I think that wouldn't be too bad. Yeah, that could be good. And Vanessa Bourne, she's got a great look. So as a yeah. valet, especially if you can give her a, a certain themed look, they could really get that over. Kona needs to ditch the blonde hair. I think that needs to go. He needs to repackage his look, maybe cut his hair, maybe go with a shaved head. Something, but yeah, I, I think the valet act might be able to cover up some of the wards, and you are totally right because Bourne's not going anywhere. She and is he's, she sne- is. he's sneaky big. Is, is that Conor is true? Reeves. And and that's the thing that you, I mean, in the land of giants, you don't get. But you know, he has size on it on on his on his side, so he could you know, you could easily you know you don't even need to change the gimmick. You just change the presentation somehow. And and I think just just kind of tweak it a bit. I, I'm not quite sure how to get there, but I I think adding something like if he had a manager or a valet, I think I think it'd be easier for him to pull off a role like this when he had somebody to play off of rather than trying to do it on his own and trying to come off as he's the finest. That 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 I think is the problem there. Um, and the gimmick is really bad too. The the whole the finest. It's just, it's amorphous. There's just not enough there. And, and it's also very generic. It, it, it's a very common recurring theme across all of wrestling, but particularly in WWE. And the finest is a very, very watered down version of that theme. That said, I'm going to War Games in November, and I think I'm getting me some Champa versus Velveteen Dream. I think it's going to be a fantastic program. If I, I don't know, I haven't read spoilers, so maybe they've already blown this off. But I'm also here for Nikki Cross being involved in just about anything, and just her being just this crazy lunatic, just going and interrupting. It was it was insane to the point where it annoyed me, and then it got and then it brought me back because it just kept on being so. <laughs> It was so dumb that it crossed the line twice. I know. I actually hit a point at one point where I was like, 
you know, I could be into Nikki Cross getting a title match. And I was like, no, I shouldn't be into this. This is stupid. Yeah, but this is entertaining, Chris. I The I know thing is a bit, it's a bit much, but it's also still fun. It's still yeah, working. I, 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 was, I was hoping for it to be fun with Velveteen Dream. And I know, I know this kind of heat is bad, but if, if Ciampa had just thrust kicked her <laughs> to get the heat to get her out of there, it would have been a, it would have been a, it would have been a nice abrupt end to it, and to get to get on with with the program between Dream and and Ciampa. I'm but, fine uh, with that so long as she gets back. Like yeah. Nikki Cross, the way they have written her in WWE, I know that they are very adverse to intergender matches and I get that but if there is ever a character that they have written where I feel like they have kind of earned that intergender interaction like that Nikki Cross seems to be the one person in the WWE universe who I could actually credibly see having it oh, or of course Ronda too having an intergender match yeah it's kind of like what it's kind of like the female version of our truth but not as not as over the top both <laughs> prejudiced and stupid, but it's still, it's the one thing where it's like, you know, this character is, is so entertaining. It's almost earned the right to have an intergender thing, even though you're not supposed to on this roster. But, uh, no, I, I liked it. I, I want this mystery wrapped up sooner than later though. I'm a little, well, I think we're pretty close to getting it wrapped up here. It's now centered in on Cassius Ono yeah. who keeps saying, I know. And I was thinking about it. Oh no! I know. Oh no! I know. Oh, like, like, I, 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 no, I, I think that's gonna be like sort of the punchline here. Also, starting to wrap up a bit the uh, May Young Classic this week. Uh, you know, it, the, the the matches weren't great, but I think it's worth going out of your way to watch the Deanna Peraza Zia Lee match or Zia Lee. Uh, Zia Lee last year in the May Young Classic did nothing. Because she was brand new to the performance center, you can see th- this is what drove me nuts about this episode. Because it's like I'm watching this match, and you can tell Zaylee has really, really improved over that year. And I'm about to say something nice about her on Twitter. It's like, man, she's really—I know she's in there with Diana Peraza, who is fantastic, but she's really grown as a performer, and her moves look pretty smooth, and she's doing okay. I'm like, I'm going to write something nice. And then all of a sudden she yells, I'm spicy. And I just went, oh, oh, I'm done. I can't, I can't now. Nope. I almost threw my phone across the room. I was just like, damn it. There it is. There's the performance center that I was looking for. But uh, we got rid of some characters. We got rid of Nicole Matthews, who will not be back in the States for five years, it appears. Uh, which is a shame because she is such a great heel. Um, she can do the European indie circuit, I guess, but uh, it's a loss for uh, us. But uh, if you're Canadian, you got to follow the rules, kids. Um, I-, I said the, the best mixed match challenge team we'll never see is Nicole Matthews and Kevin Owens because those two together would be fantastic. And then, uh, you know, the Io Shirai Zeus's, I can't pronounce her name all that well, match was okay. And then we had Mia Yim and Caitlyn. Caitlyn is still not very good, but the story in this match was pretty darn good. You ever watch a match like that where it's like, these two aren't working great, but the story is compelling? 
you know, they're they're kind of telling the Serena Deeb story with Caitlyn this year. Um, I don't think Caitlyn's going to be coming back to the company anytime soon. Because I just I just think the level of work has passed her by. But it was a good story between her and Mia Yim. I I, I liked it. This episode was enjoyable, and then next week we're we're getting into the quarterfinals where it's like, you know, it should be all great matches from there. So I'm I'm excited for this tournament. Uh, I'm not necessarily excited for the fourth hour of television I'm going to have to watch on Wednesdays, but, you know, it's part of the gig. I like doing the the, uh, the show with you, so, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll suffer through another hour of, of NXT UK with great talent on it. Technical difficulties. Chris, we have a new addition to the talent roster of 205 Live, a man who has blocked your boy on Twitter, Mike Kanellis. And what did you do to get yourself blocked by Mike Kanellis? Here's here's what I I think happened. I I was kind of in shock or awe or something about when they originally brought him out of the go. Are they going to do the cuck gimmick with him? And I said they did. And then someone, as Twitter Twitter is prone to having narcs on it. I did not. Oh, at- the people who like to at tag yes. stuff just to make sure it gets across that person's desk. Yes, I think someone at tagged him, or it turned into a convert. Someone turned something into a conversation with him in an at tag and added me, and he just blocked it. And I'm just, just like, okay, whatever. Or he just. But or that he- was literally the setup of Mike and Maria Canellis. The idea is that. Mike has taken Maria's name, and especially when they first rolled her out, Mike was doing things at Maria's command. So, Cuck, I mean, Cuck involves a third person, so, like, they weren't going that full angle well, the like wi- that. The whipped, but the, the idea of gimmick. Right, yeah, the idea that Maria is driving the car, I think you're very much were correct in your analysis. The, the, I don't the, think the, you were... Yeah, whatever you want to term that's whatever you want to term par, that. Par, and part of that shock, I think, is just because I know a guy who married a girl and he took her last name and never lived it down <laughs> with among friends. And you're just like, oh, wow, okay, I've seen this play out before. This is kind of cool, but... Uh, well, how'd the marriage work out? Uh, they're still married, so good for them. I Yeah, I, I mean, you know, you can't argue with the results. No, you, you can't. Um Man, this kid was so whipped. Um, anyways, uh, I, you know, I, I, I like the addition of a character to 205 Live because I think this show, they, they really wanted to market it on the sportsmanship, and I get that, and the athleticism, but they haven't built stories well at all. It's so here's why I don't like it, Jeff. I think there are too many heels on this show, and I just think Mike and Maria are very big characters that come into a world that already is populated with Drew Gulak and Jack Gallagher, and also Buddy Murphy as your heel champion. Yeah, very vanilla heels too. That's the thing is is these guys just come out every week, and they got they they don't have a point to their heel them. They, there's not a goal in mind for them being bad guys. I mean, what do they want out of being bad guys? I want to make a better 205 Live. There needs to be a tag title for the 205 Live show or some sort of other mid-card thing for them to be questing for because right now there are just a lot of people kind of treading water. Yeah, they're guys coming out doing great matches and having 50-50 results. That's that's what they're having, but... 
you know, I, I think Maria will add a little certain personality dynamic to it as well. Um, I still think Alicia Fox was really great when she was on this show. And this show is a small enough universe that it gave the appropriate amount of attention to Alicia Fox's personality, which is highly entertaining. Well, she's still highly, she's the best part of that Jinder Mahal team. I know. She's all, no matter what they give her, she is one of these people who finds a way to make whatever she's given more entertaining than it has any business being. That's all the time we're going to give this show. Chris, tell the people where they can find you. You can find me at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. I host a couple of other shows. Don't worry about the government, which you can find at don'tworry.tv or patreon.com slash D-W-A-T-G. And the All in the Family podcast, which you can find at patreon.com slash All in the Family. You can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can complain about the show at Shake Them Ropes. Now it's time for my fantasy guide. <laughs>